What's up, guys? Our Wrestling Podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Jess, the Total Package, and the Nature Boy Joe, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Today's topic, whatever happened to Perry Saturn? For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you give Jess a heart attack and give us a follow on Instagram at OWP2019 or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast? Joe, Perry Saturn, kind of a kind of a hidden gem, yeah? Can you say? I would say it's one hundred percent of a hidden gem. Like it was one of those guys of that that that. I'm not sure of the exact years, but like that ninety four to like ninety six period that like kind of blew up, where it was like. You had Dean Malenko, you had Chris Benoit, you had Eddie Guerrero, you had Perry Saturn that all kind of came out of like kind of perpetual nowhere and exploded on the scene and brought us all this. It was like a whole new generation of a whole new gen, like like a new type of wrestler that was on the scene, like stuff that we had never seen before. I mean, little hints here and there, but like not guys that were going out and doing it every day. I think this is a, you know, well-deserved, uh, you know, like kind of insight into his uh, his career. We had fucking the dumpster guy and we had the fucking Ooh. Dennis guy and we had this guy and we had Repo Man and we had Big Josh and we had PMU and we life. had this guy. And then all of a sudden there's there there comes a, these guys coming out and they're they don't have a gimmick per se. They're just badass wrestlers. Yeah. And yeah. they actually reminded me of like late 80s NWA wrestling. They reminded me of Tony Blanchard. They reminded me of Arn Anderson. They reminded me of, you know, that style of wrestler where it was like, we, we don't have to be the biggest, you know, you know, like shit on the silver promo. We're not the biggest and we're not the strongest, but we're going to kick your teeth in, you know, that kind of thing where it was like, we're, we're not 6'5", 300 pounds. No. We're 5'10", 220 yeah. And, but we're gonna beat the shit out of you. And I, yep. I thought it was, I thought it was an awesome. Game. Scrappy, I, I, I bro. Scrappy dudes. You know, let's go. Put them up. Put them up. Um, Perry author. I'm sorry, Arthur uh, Satulo. Is it Satulo or Satuyo? I think it's Satulo. I, I think Satulo. Satulo was born October. Watch anything. Yeah, and we'll get. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll get away with it. October twenty fifth, nineteen sixty six is an American retired professional wrestler known by his ring name, Perry Saturn. Uh, Satulo enlisted in the United States Army for four years at the age of 17 before eventually embarking on a career of professional wrestling. Uh, He finished a bachelor's degree before he became a full-time wrestler. Uh, Satulo was also a certified graduate of the U.S. Army Ranger School and has served in the United States Army Rangers. Uh, That's amazing. Like, you know, you think... we're you're gonna read on like it's more tragic about him towards the end uh, not the end sure. he's still with us but Thank i mean goodness. like it's it's more tragic but like he was like he was in the military like that's pretty respectable <laughs> man like this guy did not take an easy way this guy was a tough guy from the beginning like right it's it's pretty awesome like when i wrote the notes i was like oh man like i kind of forgot all about that about him like he's a badass like he really yep. is like yeah for sure did. You know, like uh, trying to play one on TV. It was like, it was like, yeah. no, 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 I, I, this I've is done me. stuff. Yeah, this is me. Like watching, the, it's like reading the autobiography of like, I don't know, like Jesse Ventura. It's like, yeah, you know, like 
I'm more, I, I may have worn a feather boa and like, you know, prance around, but I was a Navy SEAL as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> By the way, yeah. uh, not Jesse, but, but Satulo began training as a professional wrestler at Killer Kowalski School in uh, Malden, Massachusetts, taking the ring name Saturn from the Roman god of the, na- of the same name before the later twerking it into a Perry Saturn. While working as the manager of a nightclub in Boston, Satulo met bouncer George um, Kayasgo, who expressed an interest in becoming a wrestler. So, uh, Satulo sat him uh, to Kwasi School to train, then offered to form a tag team with him. The Greek equivalent of the god Saturn was Cronus, so Satulo chose the ring name John Cronus for his friend of the bouncer, Kayasgo. As Saturn and Cronus. Hmm? Yeah. As Saturn and Kronos were their cultures, respective gods of the harvest, Satulo proposed that they be known as the Harvesters of Sorrow. This is actually pretty well thought out when you think about it, but most yeah, of that was their it. tag team. They were going to take that, and then they were going to call they, their tag team. They wanted to be the Harvesters of Sorrow, but you're going to realize a very familiar person told them no one's going to understand that. Do this. Yeah, that's instead. the king. Very long. I was like, that sounds. Yeah, this sounds great, but no one's gonna fucking know what you're talking yeah, about. Jerry Lawler like, was like, "Don't do that." Like, so just what? Or you know, just name. When I read the notes today, I was like, I read they were gonna be called the Harvesters of Sorrows, and I immediately, right now, today, was like, "That's a fucking badass name." It's okay. cool. I said the sentence of. Jerry Lauder decided that it wasn't going to be good. I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't you decide that? First of all, that's a badass name. Second of all, this is at the exact same time that like the Metallica song had just come out, Harvester of Sorrow. Have you ever listened to the lyrics of that song? Yeah. Like it's fucking, you know, like, like language of the mad bringer of the pain. Like it's all this. Like you could you could yeah. use that fucking song as the th- as the theme song for the, that would have been I, Southern, I Southern like, like, uh, Independent Brain, right? Jerry Lawler was like, "Look, man, like wrestling fans don't they don't know like if you read comic books, which a lot of the fans are the same. A lot of wrestling fans are comic yeah. book video game players and all that stuff too. Uh, but like it, back in the day, they didn't feel they didn't figure that they plugged in with each other. So Jerry's just talking about '70s fucking Southern wrestling." Going that don't do that. That's too complicated. Just be the fucking eliminators. Like yep. okay, like you know, is great. Crazy. But then after uh, joining ECW '95, Paul Heyman quickly abandoned plans to give them a sadism and uh, masochism gimmick, and instead booked them as the unstoppable force in the ECW tag division, giving them a manager, Jason. Like what? what J- like Jason from Friday Thirteenth? What are we talking about? No, his name is just Jason. His name was just, just Jason from the from the hardware store. That's cool. Uh, the Eliminators <laughs> captured the ECW tag team titles three times between 1996 and 97 and feuded with teams such as the Gangstas and the Pitbulls. The Eliminators are now three-time ECW World Tag Team Champions. The belts are back where they belong in the possession of Saturn and Cronus <laughs> to be world tag team champions in ECW you have to beat the best tag team in the world there's only one problem with that the path to victory is blocked with an unpassable obstacle total 
Elimination. Um, so that's when I they were big. Them, you know, I got my big satellite dish, and that's when I first kind of stumbled upon ECW. Never claimed to be a hardcore ECW oh, fan oh, because, like, dish. I'm not going to lay claim to that because I was like, I was indifferent to it. I recognized a lot of the people, like when Benoit went over there or Guerrero and Malenko, because I'd seen them from magazines. So I understood that. But one tag team that stood out to me, like that, was the Eliminators, and they had a finishing move called Total Elimination. And that shit was badass. And like, I don't remember which one did it, Saturn or Kronos, but one one person would do a back spinning kick at the same time while the other person swept their legs from the back. So if you imagine an opponent is standing up and you have someone doing a sweeping kick on the back of their legs to make them bump, like, you know, backwards. And then at the same time, I think it was Saturn that did the back spinning kick. So they did it like, I mean, it was like, they fucked people up with that. Like I'd watch that going, oh my God, like, and it was like, it was Joe always says it. It's a GI Joe move. We probably practiced that with their GI Joe figures going like, what if they did this, you know, and you make them do something weird like, you know, and I saw that and I was like, that is fucking awesome. Like it just stopped me. Like when I first saw them, then I became like, I love the eliminators. Like, and I'll never forget to, uh, I don't remember. It might've been 97. I'm, I'm almost positive. It was 97. Uh, Harlem heat won tag team of the year in PW, uh, uh, illustrated. Oh yeah. They, they only beat the Eliminators by like three or five votes. I don't remember what it was, but it was like a fucking like it was like three to five votes. Yeah, and I never forget that. I was like an ECW tag team almost fucking won tag team of the year in a publication where like, you know what I mean? Like where fans voted. So that's like right. something yeah. that's like a big deal. It's huge. That's yeah. huge. And you, could, you couldn't just vote from your phone back then, by the way. On August 28th of 97, Satula was offered a job at WCW's road agent, Terry Taylor, who was impressed by a bump that Satula had taken in a scaffold match. He debuted in WCW on September 8th, facing Billy Kidman, but was sidelined for a month afterward as his knee had not entirely healed. Later that year, he and Kidman joined the Flock, a heel stable of misfits, and misanthropists, I'm not even saying that right, wow. Uh, led by the nihilistic raven misfits almost like goth people like so also Island of Misfit Toys, whatever, right? um listen you say a lot about the way wcw managed some people in 97 98 or whatever but the raven's flock is so fucking underrated and like it's nobody incredible. talks about it first of all raven did amazing work in again after being known on ecw from like 95 96 like raven bischoff fucking plucked him Cause like they WWF was doing the same fucking thing. Like they saw how cool ECW was, and they they honestly they recognized that Paul Heyman's an evil genius, but he cannot be controlled. Of the of that group of people, like of you know, like yeah. if I remember correctly, of Saturn, Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and uh, Dean Malenko, I actually remember. Perry Saturn being the most talented out of the group, like when we first saw them, when they first debuted, like no, when that first, like this first time to come out. I think he always was, and he, and Malenko didn't have any charisma, but like you had Malenko had the most talent, but like yeah, like you couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't sell, sh- ben, couldn't ben sell ben shit on the mic, you know, like back and he wrestled like dynamite, so people loved Benoit. And everything. And then Guerrero had charisma out the asshole. He just had to learn it and, and yeah. figure it out in WCW. But when they got Saturn, I remember going like, he's really fucking good. And I watched him doing a lot of things 
And yeah. like just that WCW never highlighted. And I watched him and I was like, God damn it. Like, I wish he was fucking like 30 pounds lighter because he'd be the best cruiserweight in the fucking business right now, hands down. But because he had bulk to him, they didn't classify him as that. So it was like he was always mm. kind of under Raven. Like, and even in the storyline, it was like Saturn was his underling. And then they did do a storyline where Saturn kind of said, I'm done. I'm done with you. And the, the place popped. Every time, and I think Saturn was kind of injury-ridden, to be honest, too. I think a lot of times his knees would give out. He'd go away for a while and lose that momentum. But I, it, in WCW, the flock was so underrated. Raven was underrated, and so was Saturn's work. Saturn was really good. And if you go back and watch any match we do on our reviews or whatever, I watch any Saturn match, I'm like, God damn it, he's good. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous how good he was. Like, Super he tough. Was, they were doing things that just the industry wasn't ready for yet. I, I think we've talked about Raven being um, ahead of his time in a lot of conversations. I don't know if we had an actual podcast about that, but it's we've talked about Raven being way ahead of his time. And just it was like it, it is the island of misfit toys where he he definitely had an impact. But you wonder if you put him somewhere else, you change the time frame. But he he's a disruptor for sure. It was just not. It wasn't what you expected in wrestling, especially at that time. And um, Raven continued to do it for almost a decade um, in other places. So it's it's, it's pretty impressive what Raven had done. I, I, this isn't a Raven podcast. I get it. But uh, Saturn is under underneath that umbrella for at least a moment. Where did, where did uh, when Saturn, obviously, we, we I feel like we've been talking a lot about um, the WCW movement. He obviously, like, they obviously came to WWE as part of the radicals, yeah, we're right? gonna get there. Yep. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. No, but we we're definitely gonna get that. There, there's a lot of insane stuff there, Joe. Yeah. Um, uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get the broom wrestling before you know it. But um, yeah, we're <laughs> it's it's in there. Um, speaking of crazy stuff, don't forget that Jericho was a big part of the storyline in the WCW set. Uh, and Jericho would cost Saturn a number of matches with the help of crooked referee Scott Dickinson. He has he mocked Saturn's complaints and accused him of crying like a schoolgirl. This led to Jericho challenging Saturn to a loser wears a dress for 90 days match at sold out in January of 99, which he won after some suspect officiating for Dickinson. So Jericho won that match. Yeah, after Jericho just slapped Dickinson in the face. This is hard. This is absolutely if I can use the old well-worn term, a travesty of justice. Scott Dickinson had no business even referee in the match. What an embarrassing, humiliating moment this has to be. But the earrings are a nice touch. A tough guy like Perry Saturn. Oh. Oh, now he's going to add the finishing touches of all people. Oh, and he's going brawless. Taking a bizarre um, goth transvestite gimmick, Saturn began wearing a variety of dresses to the ring using a variation of Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People as his entrance music. He appeared to begin enjoying wearing dresses and even wore cosmetics to complement those. Saturn finally stopped wearing them after defeating Jericho in a dog collar match at Uncensored on March 14th of 1999. about this time period that I remember about is like, they were finally putting a little bit of stock in Saturn and then they put this gimmick on him. And he came out wearing a skirt, and he was like, "He kind sold of like it, a, by the way." He, he but, he, but did he one hundred percent buy into it? On two, and there's a, there's a gimmick that he has to inherit when he gets to WWE later that mm-hmm. he still makes his own, which is why I really love Saturn. Like, and it's just it's one of those things where 
you know, you hear the, the you know, Vince, the, the popular phrase on Austin's podcast that he said a year later, you know, they got to grab that brass ring. You got to, you know, uh, and Bruce always says, you got to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. I'm like, there's a lot of wrestlers I can name that you did give them a chicken shit gimmick and they made chicken salad and you still didn't fucking do anything with them. So it's like, you know, like, I feel bad about somebody like Saturn well, because like Jess, it was maybe demons, you, you just maybe their, an attitude but, or whatever, like, like just didn't work. And like, it's like, but he did everything you asked him to do. Like he wore a shit, you know, Bischoff's like, uh, you want to push him, uh, make him get makeup on and did piercings in the chest though. Did, okay. Did you, did you put the grapes in the chicken salad? Did you, I, uh, that's probably what happened. They didn't put the, they didn't put in the grapes. You got to put in the grapes. Uh, Benoit and Saturn continued to team together and eventually formed a stable uh, with Shane Douglas and Dean Malenko, known as The Revolution. By the way, that's dope. Like that, you you put those four people together. That's an insane amount of talent um, in The Revolution. Uh, Booker Kevin Sullivan opined that Saturn was incapable of getting over with fans. Okay, Doofus. <laughs> prompting the wrestler to negotiate with the Royal Wrestling Federation, WWF, in case you weren't sure who that was. In January of 2000, Saturn, along with Benoit, Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero, was granted a release from WCW and signed a three-year contract with the WWF. In hindsight, is that not insane? That's insane. All that talent. Let them all go. Yeah, bye. Have a, don't let the door hit and yes the way out. Like in what year? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah. Well, well, that was going to go out of business in two years later, so it did seem like that. January of two thousand when they left. They thumb their noses at their last employer. <laughs> well, I know that. What they, the hell is <laughs> They walked out on the Ted Turner organization, but what are they doing here? And they got out. So, so uh, a year later, like, WCW was out of business anyway. So maybe they were they were jumping ship before they Maybe t- they were doing them a favor. <laughs> you know, for, those, for those people that say that when, like, you know, Punk jumped back over and Cody jumped over, like, oh, AEW is doing what WCW did before its nine days. That's I was like, not, not what's happening. Not true. Because WCW, well, first of all, Bischoff got like suspended or fired like at, in the fall of 99. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying Bischoff would have kept any of these people, but he would not have let four people, four walk out in one by. I'm yeah, telling you, Bischoff no wouldn't have allowed that, that to happen. No like way. something he would he would have did something like he might have let one of them go like but he would not have let Benoit go and Malenko like he would have been like no 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 and Guerrero like he would have been like no 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 no, no. like no no way I, there's I, no I, way he's like Guerrero would have been like the what the fuck like no way actually well I don't know if I wrote this in the notes or whatever but the, the uh, Bruce Pritchard said the guy they were all looking at was Saturn when he came the over. whole they time. They didn't think highly of Benoit or anything like that. Like they were just like, okay, we'll bring him over because they had a lot of hype or whatever. But then like they knew Benoit's pedigree. So they're like, okay, he was at least featured. So they were interested in Benoit. But Saturn was the guy that they were like, dude, Guerrero and uh, Malenko, they were like, that's fine. Whatever, we, we got four. That's insane. I mean, yeah. I mean, Malenko, you can kind of understand, and I feel really bad about saying it, but he's kind of 
He had no he's, charisma for that company. Well, no there charisma. was that, and he was he was older. The scheme of things, like, yeah, like yeah. Sorry, I'll probably edit all this out, but I, I need to distinguish oh. that. When, it's not the same. It was, WCW was dying here, and we all knew it. But when they let four of the heart of their roster leave, the people, right. the four people you should have been fucking pushing, and you didn't push, when they let those four walk, I'm like, oh, they're gone. Like they're dumb and dead. Like dumb and dead. That's well said. Versus for the nine thousandth fucking time next on the pay per view, but you let Saturn, Guerrero, Malenko, and uh, uh, Benoit fucking walk. What are you fucking doing? What are you? Two people that would go on to be like four years later, like yeah, with a lot of different shit that happened in AEW backstage. There's a lot of a different to be. Those fucking other people can walk. These guys were guys that. You gave them enough time as if you were going to push them to the next level, and then you just didn't. And then you're like, just fuck right. off then. Just go. Just fuck off. It's uh, like, okay. Like, you guys are fucking stupid. Like, sorry. Like, it was one of the dumbest fucking things. Even crazy. for a, di- a dying company, one of the dumbest fucking shit moves I've ever seen. Like, what are you doing right now? Giving up. Uh, I mean, Benoit. Game, right? Uh, and Guerrero and Benoit went on to win world titles. Like, Jesus. They did. Yeah, that still did within, within within a year of each other. Benoit, Guerrero, Saturn, and Malenko, dubbed as the Radicals with a Z, debuted the Radicals in the WWF during the Attitude Era on July 31st of 2000. They appeared in the front row of a live episode of Raw and brawled with the New Age Outlaws after the Road Dog literally fell into their laps. Cactus Jack. Uh, urged them to help fight the heel McMahon Helmsley faction, but they quickly turned on Jack in order to gain employment from Triple H, who was then controlling the WWF. That doesn't sound familiar at all. It's weird. Um, after a match on the May 17, 2001 episode of Jacked with two Ks, in which he legitimately attacked Jobber Mike Bell, Saturn immediately underwent a significant gimmick change and possibly as punishment for his actions, was involved in storylines and becoming his infatuation in his becoming infatuation with a mob. Uh, no joke, because I don't some care people say says, like I remember that he called a moppy. He fucking made it work like he would make people laugh. He would do stupid backstage vignettes and he would show up the stupid mop and he's like me and moppy. And like it was almost like a modern day hacksaw Duggan, like the way he talked. <laughs> People started like, you know, like uh, in the attitude era, like they would do the backstage vignettes, but you could hear the crowd respond because they'd right. be on Titan Tron. And people were, he was getting pops every time he came out there. Another fucking thing where I was like, he grabbed the brass ring, but it was a punishment because it beat up that jobber, Mike Bell, which beat the shit out of Mike Bell for the record. Beat the shit out of him. Like and, Mike and, 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 all- and if you go on the record, we've talked about wrestling getting real and Perry Saturn versus Mike Bell is in our archives. So go look that up. It's, it's, it is important. According to Saturn, uh, Bell dropped him on his head in a bad way, and he kind of blacked out for a moment, and then he felt rage. And he did some horrifying things to Mike Bell um, that were out of control, which led to the punishment of you're going to basically have a storyline with a mob, which is kind of the joke of if you're really that good, you can wrestle a mob, and and you're just that good. Yeah. Um, Let's go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which by the way, Saturn's like, okay, um, I fucked up, and, and he goes on record, like, yeah, I messed up, I got hit hard on my head, and I got upset, and I tried to hurt Mike Bell. He admits to that one hundred percent. Um, 
he doesn't deny it. I know it's not in the notes here, but uh, he, he, said that. Yeah. he said that and he really legitly said, OK, you're going to put me in this storyline. Um, I'm going to accept and I'm going to buy into it 100 percent. And he did, um, you know, after receiving head trauma and matches against the Acolytes uh, Protection Agency, APA and Raven, Saturday began acting eccentric and speaking nonsensically, allegedly as a result of a concussion. Saturday began yeah, uttering the phrase, enough. you're welcome, at inopportune intervals, and then fell in love with Boppy, an inanimate mop he believed was alive, similar to Wilson, the volleyball in the 2000 film. Forgot. Catch. I'm sorry, Wilson. You, Wilson. I'm sorry, Wilson. Sherry, this is Terry. Hi. Nice to meet you. Sherry, this is Perry. Hi, Perry. You smell like a Viking. You're welcome. I forgot about the you're welcome thing. He would do that all the time. I fucking totally forgot about that. He would come in with the mop and it was didn't even matter like what they were talking about. He'd be like, you're welcome. And he would just fucking leave. And like, if people were popping and laughing at him, like, again, like it sucks that like he was getting punished and like, yeah, but, but he was funny. He made it work somehow. Like everybody remembers Moppy from the attitude era. It's, it's really like a staple. You're welcome. And he'd fucking <laughs> he drew, he drew a it. face on it along the mop. I, yeah. I'm telling you, he, he definitely 100% bought into the storyline, the punishment, everything. Um, immediately after leaving the WWF, Saturn toured Europe with a World Wrestling uh, L-Stars promotion and their European tour, mainly working against Sabu. Wow, that must have tore the house down. Saturn worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling and the American Independent Circuit before retiring from professional wrestling due to injuries in 2004. He would be homeless for years due to drug addiction, unfortunately. Uh, Saturn was involved in the April 04 altercation where two men, where he came to the aid of a woman as they were in the process of taking advantage of. He fought the men and was shot with a 25 caliber handgun in the back of the neck and in the right soldier, sol- uh, shoulder, excuse me, to which he originally thought he had received a punch as a result of the scuffle. That wasn't a punch. I got shot. I, had to, I had changed the wording of it or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think everybody gets what I, when I say taken advantage yeah. of. You can't say the R word. On I understand. Uh, yeah. So they were two men were trying to take advantage of assault. A woman. They were trying to assault. Saturn her. came to their defense and he beat the shit out of them. And they happened to have a gun. And when he walked away, he got shot in the shoulder. And he just thought, man, I think I pinched myself. Like, I pinched my nerve trying to fight these guys. I fucking shot, like, in the shoulder. He didn't know. Wow. I did stumble up on two guys attacking a girl. Uh, I intervened. And uh, I didn't think anything before, before. You know, I just, I don't know. I just thought that was the thing. Where was this? It was in uh, outside Atlanta. Okay. And I got shot here in the neck and here in the shoulder. I got, I'm missing my collarbone. There's a big hole there from yeah. where my collarbone used to be. And here I have a plates and screws in my neck. They did a pretty good job of plastic surgery. It's only a little scar. Yeah, now. really? Yeah. It used to be a big, giant thing, you know. But, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of the end, you know, like uh, 
that's when I really started getting bad on drugs and stuff too because I couldn't hardly do anything. I was in a halo, my arm in a sling, you know, and just a pity party, felt bad for myself probably, and mm -hmm. just hit it all in drugs. Like later, yeah. like, oh fuck, like I got shot. After being shot, Saturday began wow, to, to uh, methamphetamine, he was homeless for two and a half years. He disappeared from public view, was not seen for several years, with his family and friends unaware of his whereabouts. Uh, he reemerged in 2010, having resolved his addiction. During an interview with Bill After in September of 2016, uh, Satul revealed that he was dealing with a traumatic brain injury that limited his abilities. And then in November of 2016, the Boston Globe reported that Satul had joined a class action lawsuit against WWE, litigated uh, by Constantine Krios, who has been involved in a number of lawsuits against them, alleging that he is suffering from multiple symptoms of repetitive traumatic brain injuries and is undergoing neurological care. Uh, U.S. District Judge Vanessa Lindbergh right, dismissed that lawsuit as of late 2018. So currently, these people with all these head injuries with these independent contractor sets um, are not receiving any kind of compensation. Oh, you're going to get more like success from that, right? Like, listen, as sad as his story is, and I'm, I hope he's okay now, and it seems like he's at least, like, I don't know if he's back, you know, you know, using again or whatever. I don't know. We re Somebody shared a picture on our text thread a couple weeks ago of him, or about a month ago, which is actually why I thought of this, to be honest. Uh, where he was drinking out of like the mule cup or whatever, yep. the the topper, you know, thing or whatever, which I hope was just water. Who knows? But I mean, Who I knows? think he is suffering from brain damage and addiction, like, you know, damage and stuff like that, too, which is sad because like, look, you know, the demolition uh, acts specifically, I think, is suing still suing the WWE, which is why they're not in the Hall of Fame because of head injuries and stuff like that. Like, I feel there is such, I don't know. I'm not a pro wrestler, right? Like, I just, I feel like there's a fine line. I think you all know what you get into when you become a press wrestler. And the stuff that he did in ECW, I mean, had to have done damage. I mean, he fell on his head in, in WCW, I'm sure. You know, and it's like they, a lot of them when they're on their last leg and they have no money. And, you know, that's that's the biggest problem, right? Is there's no fun for these guys. There's no union for these guys and girls. There's nothing like that, you know? And they get desperate and they get sick. And by sick, I mean, like, suffering from concussion syndrome and stuff like that. Like, that's crazy. And then they use substances, and they or they become alcoholics. And, like, then they're like, oh, some fucking ambulance chaser is like, dude, jump on this lawsuit. You know, we'll sue Vince for all this money. And, like, they just do it, you know? And it's like, I, I, I'm assuming that's why he did it. But it's like, God, it sucks for him, you know? Like, the guy was fucking super talented and super physical in there. And get, as a wrestling fan, I loved his style of wrestling. And, uh, you know, he did everything. He fucking made friends with the mop. He cross-dressed. He did everything he had to do, you know, to try to get over it. And it just didn't happen for whatever various reasons. And then he's just so down on his luck. And he's homeless. And he's an, an addict. And he's probably an addict because his brain injuries are fucking causing him mental anguish and pain. The anxiety must be insane. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like when you get a brain injury, shit goes wrong. You get anxiety. You get, you know, all kinds of stuff. You get angry. You get violent. Like, and... He just jumped on this bandwagon and, you know, so many of these lawsuits have been dismissed, by the way. And I'm not saying that means WWE is right. It's like, but they just go after WWE because they're, they're the only person standing after a while. You know, it's like, but dude, he, he, you know, he chose to be a professional wrestler and you get dropped on your fucking head. And when you're in ECW for three years, that shit was intense. Like, dude, they did some shit to each other in that ECW, like, you know, in that ECW ring. And, you know, all wrestling's dangerous, but when you're in a renegade promotion that's trying to, 
prove a point. You know, like they're going to fucking fall on each other's heads and hit their bell rung, which now we know are concussions. And they're going to fucking just go drink it away that night, you know, and still fall asleep when you're not supposed to. When you get dropped in your goddamn it's really head. bad for you. You know, it's like so I, I feel so fucking bad for him because he I think it's better now because these wrestlers only wrestle probably like, you know, 20 times a month now. And and as they shouldn't, like you know, and, and I don't want them to kill and themselves. The and there might be one house show now, and they all get these big ass tour buses they fucking drive on. They all get, you know, remember you used to get made fun of if you bought a first class ticket, you get fucking ribbed because oh, you think you're so special, you get a first class ticket. Like now they write, they fly first class because it's part of their contract. They, they drive in buses, it's part of their fucking contract, and you know they only wrestle X amount of dates because they don't want to fucking hurt themselves, you know, like more than they need to. And so, like, I think about somebody like Saturn and I look at today's wrestling. I'm like, I wish you came along 20 years later. I really do, because you're so fucking good. If you were in today's environment, you wouldn't get dropped on your head. You wouldn't have suffered. And I feel I feel fucking bad, you know, like for all the people that we were kids watching in our early 20s, even, you know, like they just fucking didn't have that care. And then now it's like they got it. But it's like I look at the past people going like, man, like. You know, fuck, I wish I wish you were protected. I wish that you were around in the last 10 years versus, you know, fucking 25 years ago where nobody cared. Like when you rung your bell, just go home, go to your hotel room. Hey, you, can, you can argue the whole thing started with the Mike Bell incident. I mean, I, I don't know for sure if that's what really rung his, rung his bell for. I'm not trying to be. Oh, he had his bell rung before that. Game. As the eliminators, if you go back and watch the match, right. Jesus Christ, but. You know, but that that that's where things took a really bad turn for him, and he blacked out, and he did things that he shouldn't have done, according to him and what he feels. Um, but again, I I, I um if you wrestled in nineties, like you were lucky yeah. to make it out. It's this crazy time that happened, this medium like version that nobody talks about, like that 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 a lot of the addiction started Guerrero. Benoit, like, I mean, you, we don't know what Benoit was doing. I know he wasn't, he was a drinker, but nobody really knows what Benoit was doing. Like, and like, or he was falling on his head. I know that for sure. And so like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, you get the Guerrero, the Benoit's, all of them came. They were this hybrid wrestler. That's like, I want to be stiff. I want to be a little like snug. I want to fuck you up a little bit, but you know, I'm going to fuck you. They up. wanted to be more than they saw, but they didn't know how to do it in a way that made them safe. Right. You know, like, and, and that that's unfortunately like, there's almost needs to be a category of wrestler in that, in that, or, you know, like, like a, a category for those wrestlers that fell within that category of how did, how did, how did you get us from the 80s to 2000s without? Yeah. Fucking hurting yourself or without that dying. Decade, that like, decade from uh, was crazy. Like, it was, was, it, it was desperate. From from 1990 to 2000, that decade was like, fucking crazy. To like learn and like grow and progress and like do something different and go like push the envelope. But the only way they knew how to push the envelope was to go bigger and extreme and and like higher and fall farther and put themselves more and more and more and more in danger. And you know, we appreciated it, but like in the grand scheme the of things, 
yeah, the industry couldn't support them. Like there was no, there's still no retirement fund for them. They, they probably make more money now. And there's, they have lawyers and agents now that set up all that shit for them. They didn't fucking, you know, yeah, tell me that Saturn had a fucking agent. No, like, you know what I mean? Like they just fucking went, Oh, you want to hire me? Cool. I'll go. Like, and what do you do here? I can do that. Like, and it's just crazy. Even when Mick Foley, like that Foley was like that weird, like, he fell in that purgatory like before and after WCW. Yeah. It was a weird hybrid where he somehow found himself in the mainstream and on the on the extremities and like could sell himself and do it in both in both arenas. And people, you know, like Well, and he's a rarity. Like he's fucked up. But he just he didn't have an addictive personality. He never drank alcohol or took pills. And like, he just, it was, it's in his DNA. Not everybody's that lucky. Some people are like, oh, I, this helps. I'm going to do it over and over and over again. Oh, and I'll drink with it too. And it's like, it, it's fucking, it's this common tale that came out of that decade from like 90 to 2000 that we're still, it haunts us today because we lost right. so many great people from it. Yeah. And, and even people that Saturn that are still with us just couldn't like, I would take, I would take from care like of. 85 to 2000. Right. Know? Yeah. Even more. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, for well audience, I'm, glad, I'm glad we did this uh, with Saturn because, like, I he's somebody that we always watch, and all the review episodes that we do, we're like, and you know, we'll, we'll go to that impressed. match with Saturn's in, and we're like, this match is a fucking B or an A. Like, holy shit! Like, you know, it's like yeah. we just Raven and Saturn. I didn't talk about Raven and Saturn. Fall Brawl '98. Do yourself a favor. Like one of the best matches I've ever seen. Like it was so good. And like they told a story, but again, it wasn't majorly pushed by the company. So it was just kind of like, eh, it was a mid-card feud or whatever. But those two, you could tell, like, they were they were like, We we were in ECW and we dreamed about doing this on the stage. So let's just do yeah. it. At a fall brawl pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like let's match. just do yeah. it. Like, yeah, they just did it. Yeah. Just can you say again the the uh the match that we're supposed to watch? Uh, what, uh... Perry, Perry, uh, WCW Fall Brawl 1998, and it's Perry Saturn against Raven, and it's yeah. excellent. Fans, go on, look at, make sure to make your way out and look at that. Look I'm pretty sure that. it was a Raven's Rules, which meant no disqualification in WCW. Yeah, that's right. But it was, yeah. excellent. it was excellent. That's, like it was excellent. Raven's, Raven's Rules, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, sure. Check it out. Yeah, give that one a look. See for audio fans, give us listen Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts, or watch our videos on YouTube at Al Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you give us a follow on Instagram at OWP2019 or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast? For Joe, Jess, and Dave, this is the OWP signing off. Have a good one. <laughs>